One, two, one. Hey, all right. I feel welcomed. We'll just kind of start all over again. I do like, as I said the last time I was here at Warehouse, though I met a lot of people that are here for the first time. Uh, But I was here before, and I said I like to come as the senior pastor for a pastor's sighting so that you can see me and I can see you because that's a a part of community. And uh, thank you so much, Jeremy, and to the team for leading us. This, This last ancient Celtic hymn has always been one that just moves me, and this evening particularly, as we deal with a very difficult topic, at least for me it's a difficult one, as you are going to be seeing, the prayer for a vision to see clearly what God expects and wisdom to know, to know how he's made us to live. That, that's my prayer. So if, if you brought a Bible, I know that the warehouse, you probably all have it memorized, but uh, and Fuller students, I met several of you, you probably just have it in Hebrew and Greek, right, right Justin? That's probably, probably it. But turn to the book of Deuteronomy. And then if you hold it there, you can turn all the way nearer to the end of the Bible, to the book of Ephesians, because we're uh, looking at the Ten Commandments. Tonight we come to the fifth fifth of them. And I want you to see once again how these Ten Commandments are introduced in the book of Deuteronomy and then how it's applied a little bit later in uh, in the New Testament to a church. In fact, because it's God's word, I'd like us to stand uh, to hear our father's voice. And may he speak to us this evening. Deuteronomy chapter five. We'll begin with verse four. And remember that this is indeed the word of our father. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. Verse five. And he said, I am. I am the Lord, your God, the one who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So it's with that context of a rescue that we get commandments about how we're to live, which brings us to verse 16, which is the fifth of them. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord, your God, has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you. In the land, the Lord, your God, has given you. Then over in the book of Ephesians, chapter six, we see the Apostle Paul taking that command and applying it to the life of the church, which I'm going to try to do this evening too. children, he says, and the word he uses there in Greek is for little children, children, verse one, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. I think that one of the beauties in the life of a church, of forcing the pastor to go through a series such as we're doing uh, Lake Avenue Church and here at the warehouse, is that sometimes you're forced to speak about something that you'd rather not speak about. Now, that's what, what you're going to get this evening. I, I resisted this. I tried to punt it to someone else. This fifth commandment is called the family commandment. And I've simply thought, what on earth do I talk about with this commandment here at the warehouse or to the larger family here at Lake Avenue Church in 21st century Southern California? That that is what I have wondered. 
Because, I mean, what kind of family am I going to talk to you about? Well, when I, when I grew up, um, the church that I went to, anytime somebody talked, the pastor talked about the family, just sort of took it for granted that all the families were either going to be or to become those what, what we sort of tried to pretend we were, perfect Western-style uh, nuclear families with a perfect marriage and, of course, perfect children. Now, of course, that I look back from, from the vantage point that I have much later, you know something? Those, those families that tried to pretend that they were those perfect nuclear families weren't all that perfect. So many of them have simply fallen apart, as I have watched them over the years. Now, now that I've been here in Southern California since, well, last September, and have gotten to know the, the people in this church and some of the people in, in the community, I have just thought, when I talk about a family command, what kind of family do I talk about? That? Uh, do I have anything to say from this command to people who are still single? Uh, what about single parents? What, what about families where uh, one of the parents have abandoned uh, the children? What about married couples who don't have children? And especially, I'll tell you the thing that I really wrestled with as I've thought about this, is what about the, 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 the many people in our church who have experienced abuse in their families? I know that almost every time I've ever spoken about issues related to family or have, have specifically addressed mothers on Mother's Day and fathers on Father's Day, there are people who don't even come because it's just too painful to think about. Now, there's another issue that I've thought about here at Lake Avenue Church and in Pasadena that really made this even more complex uh, for me, and that is this incredibly multinational, multi-ethnic community where you and I live. Uh, this morning, I can't tell you how many uh, Native Americans, people from Belize, a family that came for the first time out of Russia, people from Colombia, people from Brazil, on and on and on. Of course, the many, many Asian people who populate and Latino people who, who, who just populate our area. Now, I'll tell you, once again, growing up in the church, Usually when pastors talked about the family, they talked about how the family in the United States is disintegrating and, and started to address that, trying to say it's got to integrate again. And, and uh, talked about the problem that we have is a family that is, that is falling apart. And that is something that has to be talked about when you talk about family in our day, because you know, don't you, that for every marriage that is started in our country in, in, each year, there is at least one that disintegrates. So you can't ignore that. On the other side, when I talked about this topic at the school where I used to be the pastor back in Chicago, uh, the president back in Chicago, I had one of our professors, Dr. Peter Cha uh, from Korea, and a whole group of students, students from Singapore and Korea and Japan and China, who came up to me and said, we want to have lunch with you and talk to you about our families. Because the situation we're dealing with with our families is the opposite of what you talked about in chapel today. And the problem they wanted to bring to me is this one, not families that are disintegrating, but larger extended families where the families absolutely are controlling them. Now, most of these people were in, in a seminary and they were wanting to go in the ministry, but their families were saying, no, no, no. We sent you to Princeton or we sent you to Stanford or wherever we sent you. And we want you to become a doctor or a lawyer or some sort of successful business person, not a missionary or a pastor. And, and, they, and, and it led me to, uh, to, to, to recommend a book to any of you who may be in that sort of a situation this evening that I have found to be so helpful. Um, 
A part of it came from that campus and, and from that professor, Peter Cha. Just look at the title. Following Jesus without dishonoring your parents. Is that possible if you come from that sort of a family? All right. So here we are at the warehouse this Sunday night. What is it that God's word might have to say to all of us that I actually might give us some of that that wisdom that we sang about and prayed for? And I want you to know that even though I balked at even wanting to talk about this subject to, to our church and to this community, I've come to see how important it is. Come to see how important, and I'm praying that I'll be able to communicate that importance to you today. Because it seems to me that in its wisdom, so many, so many millennia ago, God gave us one command to help focus where it starts for each one of us. I, I see that its wisdom transcends history, time, and, and, and societies and ethnicities. And God simply turns, I think, to all people made in his image. And he says, this is where it starts. Honor your father and your mother. And then in case you don't believe it, he underscores, even though it's the Ten Commands, as the Lord your God has commanded you, and and about all the commands, if you look at it, God says, if you'll obey what I've said, I've rescued you from slavery, so I'm going to give you commands not to ruin your lives, but so so that you can really live, so that it will go well with you. But about this one, he adds that, as the Lord your God has commanded you, and in case you don't really believe it, so that it may go well with you. And you may live long in that place where I have put you. It's almost as if he thinks they're not really going to believe this. So I'm going to underscore it. So here we gather. What do we learn for 21st century Southern California from this command? And there are a couple of lessons that I want us to think about. The first one I've simply called, I'm calling it the norm of family life. And, And the question that I want to bring is, why on earth is this command in the Ten Commandments, and in this, I want you to think about the Ten Commandments in, in a bit of a, a new way. It's really the old way, but a way that we often don't think about it. I have found that though there are so many people who don't know very much about the Bible or about Jesus at all, almost everybody knows that there are Ten Commands. In fact, in, in jaywalking, Jay Leno went around Southern California and asked people if they knew any of them. And there was a silly, a silly thing. I wish I could reproduce that because they were so funny. To hear what, but they knew that there were Ten Commands. I want you to know this about the Ten Commandments, though. They are not simply a haphazard list of moral directives, sort of like the um, book of Proverbs. The Ten Commandments were given at the founding of God's people, uh, of a nation. And that's why I wanted to show you when God rescued his people from slavery, God came to Moses and spoke to Moses face to face out of the fire on the mountain and engraved on those tablets of stone these commandments and said, as this people is being formed through whom a Messiah will come, as this people who who are to be led by, ruled by my ways rather than their own ways are being formed, these are the ways people are supposed to live. I have created you. Let me tell you how you're supposed to live. In other words, here in the United States, we have a bill of rights. But but then God was saying, I'm going to give more like a bill of duties. They are a way that people are supposed to live. Now, when you think about it that way, don't you don't you think it's remarkable that embedded in that sort of national document, we have this directive, honor your father and your mother. I mean, I'll tell you, it's, it's more like something that I would find on a nursery or uh, if parents have teenagers, you'd want to make sure it's in the in the youth lounge. But you don't expect that sort of a command embedded in the halls of power of a nation. Uh, do you? The answer, I think, is no. 
I would expect that in a document like this, you should expect something like this, honor the king. Or in that, that sort of a tribal community that they were when this was given, honor your judges, uh, honor your leaders. It, you would certainly expect something like honor your priests or honor the pastor. I would really, have, I would have liked that a whole lot. But of all of the authority structures uh, that can be found in, in, in this world, in any society, God has chosen to put his sanction to this one. Honor your father and your mother. And I think we just have to ask, why is it there? Now, before I try to even answer that, let me also help us to think about uh, where this is located in the Ten Commandments. It's the fifth. Now, those of you who are here the last time, you might remember this, if your memory is really good. Remember when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment is, love the Lord your God with all of your being. And the second is like to it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what I see Jesus talking about there is he is summarizing the Ten Commandments. The first half of the Ten Commandments is how we are to love God with all of our beings. It begins with putting him first. And and the second part, the second table of the law, it's called. The second part of the Ten Commandments is how we love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, let's think about this commandment. Is it in the first part of the second? It's fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother. Is it on the first table, honoring God, or the second part, the beginning of how we love people? It seems like there might be a little bit of both. I see it as sort of a, a hinge on a swinging door that takes us from one place to the next. How are we truly going to show what love for God as father looks like in this world unless we find some way to show love or appropriate honor uh, to those parents that have have brought us into this world? And it would seem that what God's word is saying is this. You're supposed to love every person made in God's image who comes across your path. And that is really hard because some people are not very lovable. Right? Right? Yes, it's right, except for all the warehouse people. Of course, all of you, I can see you're lovable people. But it's hard to love all. Where does it begin? And and it would be saying, if it's on the second table of the law, it begins by learning to honor parents. So this is why I'm calling it the norm of family life, the norm. The norm is that regardless of your family situation, regardless of how bad or good your father and or mother may have ever been, uh, regardless of what, uh, uh, how old you are or, or, or what your situation is, God's word comes to you and says, if you will live well, uh, if you're going to say, I want to follow God, God turns to you and he says, you must find a way to honor your father and mother. All right. If so, what does that honor look like? That brings me to the second lesson. I'm going to call it the obligations of family life, obligations, what it is that is commanded. And it brings me to that word, honor. Honor your father and mother. That's kind of a broad word, don't you think? Some may even say it is a vague word. And, and, and when I think about it, I, I often really cringe just a little bit in talking to you because all of us know, no matter how good our families may be, all of us know that parents can sometimes be a pain, right? If my kids were here, they would be saying amen. So I, I didn't let them come. Said you're not you're not going to come, Brent, to, to to do this. And even if we have relatively uh, good parents, uh, we know that in this world there are all sorts of parents that we say they don't seem to me to be very honorable. 
I mean, how on earth can we live in our world without reading the ongoing stories of abuse that happens in the homes? And it happens everywhere. We know it happens here in the United States. The, ver the abuse sometimes is physical. Sometimes it's emotional and verbal and psychological, which often can be even worse, you know, and more debilitating than physical abuse. And, and you think that the family here that, we, that meets at Lake Avenue doesn't have anybody who's ever gone through that? Let me tell you, this morning I was here until 2 o'clock because one person after another after another came up and said, I believe that I need to respond to this, but, but I don't quite know how to. So what is God saying in those kind of situations? And it's not just the U.S., it's not just the U.S. When you read about uh, the trafficking, slave trafficking of children that happens all over the world, including our own country, you sit there and say, how could that possibly be? And how could the pastor stand up there and say, you have to honor God no matter what your family situation is like? Well, listen to me. Maybe this will be free. Maybe this will be helpful. I want you to see what it does not command you to do. You see that, that the Bible does not command you to admire your parents? Because sometimes what they do and how they've lived has not been admirable. It does not command you to have affection for your parents. Though, though it would be a good thing if we can, it doesn't command it because sometimes it's very, very hard for us. It doesn't even tell us that we have to trust our parents or ever confide in our parents. Because so many times I hear, well, of course you should develop this relationship with your parents because they've lived longer than you and therefore they're wiser and more mature than you. And I say, ha, that's not true. Not always. You know, many people in the world say simply living a long time makes you wise and more mature, but not the Bible. The Bible says that what makes us mature is becoming more Christ-like, not simply living longer and living longer. So what is it that the Bible expects of us? Are you still with me here? I want you to consider these things very carefully and prayerfully. Uh, I want you to be like these Bereans in the book of Acts who listened to every word that that speaker said and said, is that really true? I want you to think about it. Princ principle number one, I just want you to... To consider and pray about. It seems to me in the Bible that to honor means something like to treat them as significant. Uh, treat them with appropriate respect simply for what they are supposed to represent in this world. Coming where it does in the Ten Commandments, it's pretty clear to me that one of God's intention, and, and I know we have some new parents here, like, like Matt, <laughs> that God's intention for parents is to be that kind of teaching authority that nurtures and teaches children about how you live in this very difficult world. Just God has entrusted that. And, and even though some don't fulfill it very well, simply the role of being a parent is, is a role that is to be at least treated not lightly, but as being significant. In fact, the very word uh, for honor in Hebrew is kabod. And you know what it means? Fundamentally, it means weight. Uh, W-E-I-G-H-T. Weight. It is significant. So, so what it is saying to us is something like this. Don't ever just write your parents off. Uh, how do you treat them with some significance, even if they haven't lived in a very honorable way? Well, I've, I've, I've been wrestling with this, and I want you to pray about what it might look like in your own situation. But I do know it means this at least, that we should pray for them. I, I think that if there is healing that is needed, that we would pray that somehow they would, 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 would know some of that healing and nurturing in, in their own lives. Um, 
Once again, I, I'm quite sure it means that we don't just cut off a relationship and never, ever allow for that, that to be possible. It doesn't mean, I think, that we step right back into that relationship if there is victimization and abuse that is possible that is there. But maybe at least it means this. And I, I've thought about this, and I want you to chew on it. Maybe it means something like this, that you and I, even if our parents have not lived in a way that reflects the ways of God, would try to live in such a way that when our parents look at us, they might be proud of us. You know, the Bible says we are made in the image of God and we're to image him and, and reflect what he is like to the world. That's a part of our calling as Christians. But we also image our family. And even if the way that our families, the values with which they have lived have not been good, if you and I can live in the way that God created us to live, we can break those patterns that are often unhealthy in our past through the power of God. And often we can be the kind of people who bring more significance to the family. I want you to think about that. Second principle. Now, this is for Christians here who either are or will become parents. Uh, it seems to me that this imperative honor, this command to honor in the Bible, carries with it an implied obligation on the part of the parent to seek to be worthy of that honor. Now, I'll tell you why I say, I say that. Because in the Bible, even though parents are, are, are put in this place where it's in the fifth commandment, still the Bible has established laws in the Mosaic legislation where parents can't just do whatever they want with their children. For example, now I know this is going to seem small, but it's really not all that small. Different from all of the other nations in the ancient world, uh, in the theocracy that was Israel, there were laws that said that ch parents could not kill their own children. Now, you may say that's a small thing, but it isn't that small a thing. Not, not in a world in which that could happen. Moreover, there, there were laws that were established in ancient Israel that kept parents who were mean-spirited toward their children. It would not allow them to keep their children from having any kind of inheritance and thus ruining the life of the child. Now, you know, in this, ch this church, we have, we have judges, <laughs> uh, we have attorneys, who, and, 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 and they know very well that those things seem so small compared to the massive child protection legislation we have here in the United States. But let me tell you, there's enough right there to indicate to us that in the Bible, when it says, honor your father and mother, there's also an implication that if we're going to obey God, we need to seek when we're in the role of parent. To be worthy of that honor. And I think Paul takes that up. That's why I read that Ephesians 6 text to us. Uh, children, he said, using the word for little to children. Now, you obey your parents. This is right. And then I can almost see haunting him. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know some parents. I can almost hear him say, I, that's me reading the scripture. That may not have been what happened. But immediately he jumps right in. And fathers, that means to you, don't you embitter and exasperate your children. And the word is, don't do and say things that just drain the life out of them. All of this is to say that a second principle is there. That if you get to be in that role or are in that role now of a parent, then, then the word of God strikes you too. First, it strikes us in our role as his children. That, that whether our parents have, have lived in the right way or not, we need to find some way to honor them. But then if we're in that other role as a parent, we need to seek to be worthy of the honor. I'll tell you what my prayer has been. I, I have two children. Um, I, as, this, as I've thought about this, I, I've begun praying this. Father, at the end of my life, I pray that I will be the kind of a father about whom my children would say it was a joy. It was a privilege to honor him. I, I think if we can make that our prayer, I, we may not go far wrong. What do you think? Anyway, third principle. All right. 
the obligation, and this will, might strike some of those who, who come from those extended families where there's so much control, where often the parent will use this command to beat us on the head like a hammer. Uh, look, the obligation laid upon children by this commandment must take second place to the demands of God in our lives. Uh, what I want you to mark down is that this is not the first commandment. This is the fifth. The first commandment is not to put anything in the face of God. God is always to be first. You can read what Jesus said about this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. He said, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. In other words, honoring parents has to come second to honoring God. <laughs> this fifth commandment doesn't mean that we turn our parents into idols whose whims we just have to obey no matter what they say. Uh, now, when I was in college, and Warehouse, I have to be one of the older folks here. Uh, when I was in college, there were these crazy things being said by some church groups that they called a chain of command. Did any of you ever hear about that? The, the teaching was essentially this, that God has built these authority structures within the universe so that if a person is in authority over you, your boss, your parent, then you have to obey whatever they say and God will hold them accountable and not you. Well, that's simply not what the Bible says. God must be first in each one of us. Each one is responsible for our response to God. So that's the third principle I want to give you. This obligation laid upon children is always second uh, to honoring God. And then finally, and here's the one where I want you to consider it most carefully. I believe that, that this notion of honoring changes in application as we grow older. When we're little children, to honor father and mother, I think, it means something more like obey them. That's why in Ephesians 6.1, Paul uses the Greek word for little children. Little children, you obey your parents. This is right. Uh, and I think that is the right thing. And I think maybe one of the reasons is this, that when children are very small, uh, it's hard for them to sort out the, the difference between what God has said and what their parents might have said. So as, as little children, it seems to me that honor means simply to obey. But as we get to be older and we go through this rite of passage, and I'm not exactly sure when that happens. Every society may be a little bit different. There's no doubt about it that for those who enter into a marriage relationship, you have other biblical commands. You are to leave, father and mother. You are to cleave to your spouse and you take a new next of kin, which is often very painful for parents. You simply need to know that. But uh, it seems to me that whenever you start getting through adolescence, through this high school period in, in the Western world, enter into college, that the meaning of honor changes from simply obey to more like something like, like, like respect. Uh, simply to continue to be a dependent, fully dependent upon, and just to be in obedience to parents when you get to be adults, that's not a healthy, mature adult, is it? In fact, there, there's, there are pathologies that have to be dealt with when that happens. No, it seems like the way that we apply this changes as we get to be older. And, and it's one of the reasons why I think adolescence uh, adolescence is one of the hardest times, both for children and parents, because they're going through this transition period. And maybe you've experienced it and can remember that. That's why some parents are really good parents when they have little kids, because they're really good at giving directives, do this, 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 and this, but not as good when their children get to be older and they're able to relinquish a little bit of the control. And why some parents aren't very good when their children are small, because they can never tell anybody, this is what you should do. But often when they're older, they don't try to have so much control. It takes a lot of wisdom to know exactly how to do this. But then I think there's a third stage. 
Oh, it's where I am now. It, it seems to me that there comes a time when our parents get to be older and, and we are then stronger physically for sure and often mentally as well. When the meaning of honor your parents changes from respect to more like something like, um, like care for them. Like care for them. Do you know anything about my, my family? My father's 86. He is still sharp as can be mentally, but he's growing physically weak. They live all the way in West Virginia, so a long way away. Uh, my sister has some real struggles, so it's hard for her to be a caregiver. And my mother is 81, and she has Alzheimer's disease. Um, how do I honor my parents, being all the way out here in Pasadena, California? And then I read this text. I think we had it up here from First Timothy. Yes, just look at this, what Paul said. If a widow has children or grandchildren, uh, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. And so repaying their parents and their grandparents, because this is pleasing to, the, to God. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially his own immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, the world has changed. There were no geriatric hospitals or really good social services back in the ancient world in ancient Israel. We have ways that older people can be cared for. I'll tell you, I know that there are times when, when, when older parents or grandparents get to the point where they can be cared for much better uh, by professionals than we can. Also, I know this, that as people get to be old, as cranky as some of us might be now, we often become crankier as we get to, really, it's hard to do this. But I become so convinced of this, that this commandment is saying to us that we dare not let those who are elderly, when they're in our families, simply go to their death in loneliness and isolation and despair. I hope maybe God will write this on all of our hearts as we grow older and as our situation with our parents and grandparents changes, that God will give us wisdom to know how we're supposed to honor, honor our families. So that's the obligations. Now, just very, very quickly, another lesson. The church is a family. But, and hear what God has given in this imperfect world, and then what I pray that the warehouse will be and that really Lake Avenue Church will be. I'm going to bring you into a little bit of my dream. Uh, God established families, I talked about, so that people would be able to know how to live. It's within the family that so much about living takes place. Have you ever experienced that? I, I had a brother who was two years older. And uh, I'll tell you, he just even as I got to be older, he would just knock some of the pride out of me. This happens in the context of a family. I remember even as I got to be older and I went home and my brother said something like this. I know you say you're a university president or a, a pastor of a big church, but you want me to come to that place and tell them some stories about your childhood? This, this is what happens in the nature of a family, right? Some of the, that uppityness, maybe a West Virginia term, is just knocked out of you and you just learn how to live. And even as you wrestle through problems and figure out how to stick in there, you learn about so much about everyday living. And yet, in a world where families aren't functioning well, there's so many people who have never experienced unconditional love. They, they've never experienced this kind of confrontation that's meant for your best and not for your worst. So how are people supposed to learn to live in such an imperfect world as you and I have been put into? And, may, and maybe you've been in that, that you've never really experienced the kind of family context that God intended the family to be. Well, I'm telling you, here's what God did. Now, here's a little bit of what is called the simple gospel. When our individual lives were in trouble, he sent his one and only son 
who took our place on the cross so that when our trust is in him, our sins are cast as far as east is from the west. And we are brought into God's family and God gives us his Holy Spirit and begins remaking us. This is good news. If I were in a black church, I'd have a few hallelujahs right now. This is, this, this is good news. This is why we've gathered here to worship, because God has done this for us. Now, let me tell you, there's another part of this good news. Whenever you respond to Christ, not only does God tear down the walls that were there between us and God and bring us into a relationship with him in which we can know God, the maker of the universe, as our heavenly, as our personal father. But he brings us into a bigger family. And, and, and do you know what family you've been brought into if you're a follower of Jesus? Us. You get us. <laughs> Why aren't you happier? Why, <laughs> Why aren't you happier about this? I, I so often say, listen, there are a lot of people who aren't all that happy about uh, uh, being with Christian people. And I say, well, we better learn to get along here. Otherwise, heaven isn't going to be all that heavenly because there are going to be a lot of Christians in that place. So we may as well figure it out now. Well, this is what God has done. God has planted in this world of imperfect families his own spiritual family. And he brings us into community. And if a church is going to be what a church was intended to be by God himself, we have to learn to be a family to one another. And that means that when we come to church, yes, we need to have worship services like this where we sing praise to God and we hear our father's voice together. But that's not all that a church should be. A church has to be a place where the things that happen in a family happen. Where all what I call them the one another's of the Bible take place. Where, where we conf confront one another at times. We correct one another at times. We pray for one another. We encourage one another. And we don't give up on one another. Uh, in, a, in a family, you know, you get into a fight with your, with your brother. And the next morning you wake up, you're still in the same family, right? It's supposed to be that way in the church family. And I found often it's through the toughest times you experience that the greatest work of God happens in our church and each one of our lives. And that's why if you come on a, at a warehouse service and, and, and that just wasn't a very good sermon, I hope that, that senior guy doesn't come back there again. Come anyway. Come back again. Don't leave a family too easily because it's as we live in family that we're able to experience a little bit about how we're supposed to how we're supposed to live. And this is one of my dreams for this church family that will be that. I know it's countercultural. I know it's what you long for and what warehouse is longing more and more to be and, and to become a true community, a family like community where we're into one another's lives. It is counterculture in a large church like this, a large church. Everything is supposed to be slick and programmed and everything but this. But we're going to break that cultural mess because a church is supposed to be a place where the one another's happen. And I'm longing for that so deeply. Where those walls of age are down. We experience life with one another. Where those walls of, of, of ethnicity and where those walls of socioeconomics are down. And, and we figure out that when we live together within a family that that we begin to learn how to live well. And one of the things I long for for you, and I think, Jer Jeremy, are you you didn't leave me yet. Do we are we going to have an opportunity for people who aren't in a small group to be able to find a hub or a small? There's a table back here at the end of the time. I'm going to have to take off because I have to call my own family and it's three hours later back there. But there's going to be a table. We, if you haven't gotten into a hub or into a small group. 
We just want to open those up and make those available. And tonight you can just say, all right, I need to find one of those. I know it. I know it. Because unless we find a way that we can have life on life, we're not going to be what the church is supposed to be. So it's just one of my dreams that somehow this place will just break the patterns and that our whole Lake Avenue church will become more of a large community of, of a family of God where we can experience how to live well. Which brings me to the last lesson, and then I really will be done. And I've called it the rewards of obeying this command. What, what happens when we say yes? The Ten Commandments are given. Why? So that it may go well with you. God didn't give us commands to ruin our lives, but that it might go well with you. But Paul would say this is the only one of them that specifically has that promise attached to it. it because really, I think for many people, it's just hard to believe that obeying this command really is a good thing. That this is really a good thing, that it will go well with you. And I want you to remember that it's not just an individual promise that it will go well with you and that you'll live long in the land that God has given you. It really is given to a whole nation and really it's given to us as a community. And essentially it's something like this. The community that finds a way to honor the parents will become a much more stable and blessed and joyous community. That if we find ways to obey this command, even in our own biological families, to honor parents, then the other people who watch us, including our own children, will say, oh, so that's how life is to be lived. And we'll be able to respond to other sorts of authority relationships that exist in this world. The point is, this coming where it does, at the very beginning of how we love our neighbors as ourselves, I think what it's saying is this. How on earth are you ever going to be able to handle other relationships in this world if you can't find a way to do this one right? I mean, how will you ever respond to an imperfect boss, an imperfect teacher, an imperfect pastor, an imperfect politic? How do we know how to appropriately do it, speaking truth but always with love, unless we start with this relationship? What we do in this relationship will affect every other relationship in the world. And God turns to us all and says, honor your father and your mother. Tim Keller, do you know of him? He's the pastor of the Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan. He talked about this, and there was just one statement I jotted down. And I think it's good. The society, and here we could say the community, that destroys the honoring of its parents destroys itself. Because the way that we respond to those who are closest to us biologically will have an effect on how others watch us and learn to act toward others. Now, I'm going to turn us into a uh, real family here. I'll be the old patriarchal father, kind of like I did with my kids. I always read them a story. So I'll read you a story and then we'll go home and go to sleep. Uh, this, I, hadn't, I always like to read stories. And, and this is one of the tales from the Brothers Grimm. Uh, I hadn't remembered this story, but someone told me about it and I added it in. It's, it's the story of the old man and the grandson. So listen to it. There was once a very old man whose eyes had become dim, his ears dull of hearing, his knees trembled. And when he sat at the table, he could hardly hold the spoon and he spilt the broth upon the tablecloth or he let it run down the side of his mouth. His son and his son's wife were disgusted at this. So the old grandfather at last had to sit in the corner behind the stove 
and they gave him his food in an earthenware bowl and not even enough of it. And he used to look toward the table with his eyes full of tears. Once, too, his trembling hands could not hold the bowl and it fell to the ground and broke. Uh, The young wife scolded him, but he said nothing and only sighed. Then they bought him a wooden trough made for pigs out of which he had to eat. They were once sitting thus when the little grandson of four years old began to gather together some bits of wood upon the ground. What are you doing there? asked the father. I am making a trough answered the child, for father and mother to eat out of when I grow old. The man and his wife looked at each other for a while, presently began to cry. Then they took the old grandfather to the table and henceforth always let him eat with them and likewise said nothing if he did spill a little bit of anything. Jesus said that the second command is to love our neighbor as ourself. I have been thinking about this as, as your pastor. I've thought, how on earth are we going to love unlovely people? And there are so many of them all around us, and sometimes we can be those. How on earth? Where do we even start? What is the very first step that we should take to try to become people who actually love the people who cross our paths, who have been made in the image of God and for whom Christ died? And here I find transcending the ages comes one clarifying word to each one of us. As hard as it may be, it starts here. Upon the authority of God's word, I declare this to you. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that it may go well with you. And so that you may live long in that community, in that place that the Lord your God has given you. Uh, May God give us the faith to believe that this is true. May he give us the wisdom to know how it applies to each one of our family situations. And then may the Lord help us all to his glory. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we have gathered as your family members here. I I pray that if there are some who have come to the warehouse tonight who have never come to know you personally through faith in Christ, that as much as they understand, that tonight might be one of those nights where they simply say, Father, as much as I understand, I believe in you. I want to trust in Jesus. For the rest of us, Father, in your family, we pray that you would give us this wisdom and the courage and the strength to obey this command. Father, our longing is to be wholehearted, genuine, authentic followers of you. And your word tonight is so clear to each one of us. So, Father, open our, our eyes and our hearts to show us what we should do. Our lives are yours. We are ready to obey. May your blessing be upon us as we do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.